sure love our pastor, amen, and uh, grateful to have a part, uh, opportunity to be here in these services today. As I was thinking about the messages that were preached this morning, I know much will be said about it through the week, no doubt, but I would to God that I'd heard the message that pastor preached this morning 44 years ago when God called me to preach. I believe it would have saved me a lot of heartache and sorrow and a lot of learning some lessons the hard way, and I thank God for it. Two times, actually three times, but two specific times in my ministry, God has completely broken me. And I can't speak of all of it, the details. But I believe those messages would have helped me. I wish I'd have known back then what I know now. And I wish somehow that God will allow all of us that have been involved in ministry, not that we have all the answers. God forbid we do not. But I hope that somehow God will allow us to encapsulate some of the wisdom and the experience that God's given to Brother Jones and men like that that are faithful in the ministry for these many, many years. And I do believe with all of my heart that before God can use any of us, he has to first break us and make us into his image. There are several pastors that are here today in churches that support the Rock of Ages ministries, and for that I want to say thankful uh, and say that I'm very grateful for your support of our missionaries and the ministry itself. I'll be honest with you, I was struggling with the message for this morning because... I've been caught between two topics this morning and it seemed like the Holy Ghost of God settled me on the message that I was to bring and I'm grateful for Dr. Jones standing and giving the information he did on disillusionment, discouragement and some of those things because I was initially thinking about leaning that direction. Have you ever noticed in the Bible, and I'm going to preach on this, but have you ever noticed that many times the negative words in ministry and with life are associated and start with a D? Discouragement, defilement, desires, disillusionment. And the word dis means to be removed from. And discouragement means that we are removed from courage. And disillusionment means that we are removed from reality. I mentioned the long list of things that are starting with D that discourage preachers. And when I got done preaching some time ago, a pastor walked up to me, he said, Brother Ellis, he said, um, while you were going through all those D's, and you said D's are used in negative words and statements. And uh, he looked at me and he said, Brother Ellis, he said, my wife's name is D. I said, I'm not touching it, brother. I'm not going there. He said, well, I am. He said, when you went all of that, she, he said, she elbowed me and said, don't you breathe a word. <laughs> so if you have your Bible today, let's go to the book of Exodus in chapter number five. In Exodus in chapter number five, I'd like to bring the message that the Lord has led us to for this morning and my, how my heart has been challenged. Notice if you would with me, if you're in Exodus and Chapter number five, actually chapter number five, 
I want to have you to stand and we'll stand in reverence to the reading of the scriptures and I'll try not to be too long today. Verse number one, the Bible says, And after Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And they said, The God of the Hebrews hath met with us. Let us go, we will pay, pray thee, three days journey into the desert and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with sword. Our fathers, we bow before you this morning. Our hearts are elated over what we've already heard. God, how you have challenged us, and Lord, how you have encouraged us. And Father, how you have spoken to our hearts and caused us to make some decisions and determinations in our heart and mind concerning the things that you have set before us. I thank you for every preacher and for every layman that's here under the sound of our voice today. And I pray that your blessings will be upon these services. Continue to do your work, have your will and way in our lives, and we'll thank you in Christ's name we ask. Amen. You may be seated. In this passage of Scripture, we find, of course, that Moses has been sent in before God, or has stood before God, and the Lord has sent him to Pharaoh, and he says in verse number 2, that God has sent him to let his people go. And Pharaoh replies, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. What a question to be asked. I have been to Egypt. I've had the opportunity of seeing the pyramids and the sphinx and many of the great things that were built and constructed by the pharaohs. But I cannot imagine pharaohs sitting on his throne and God's men appear and saying, Thus saith the Lord, let my people go, and to get a response, Who is the Lord that I should let his people go or Israel go. Now I want to preach on that subject matter this morning for just a moment. Who is the Lord? Who is the Lord? Now Pharaoh might have fared much better, although it was really not an issue of his verbiage or his language. It was more of an issue of his heart. But he might have fared a lot better if he had just stopped with who is the Lord and left the rest of that statement off. But he proceeded to show his ignorance and his state of heart and mind when he said, Who is the Lord that I? And he is lifting himself above God. And he says, Who is the Lord that I, the Pharaoh, in other words, should let the people of Israel go? And then he makes a further confession to show his ignorance. He said, I know not the Lord, and neither will I let his people go. Now notice in this passage of Scripture, the Bible tells us that even Pharaoh in his words 
says, I know not the Lord. And they said that he was the God of the Hebrews that had sent him. Even Pharaoh is acknowledging that they belong to God. And so Pharaoh says, who is the Lord? In Proverbs 30 and verse number 9, he says, Lest I be full and deny thee, and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and still and take the name of my God in vain? Two times a question is asked in the Bible of these rhetoric statements, Who is the Lord? And that statement's only used three times in the Bible and once is dealing with someone who is a landowner and, and reflecting upon the Lord of that property or the owner of that property. But now we find the statement, who is the Lord? And he says, I know not the Lord. The Bible tells us that God actually answered that question. Flip over one more chapter to the book of Genesis in chapter number uh, 6 and notice in verses 1 through 3. Well, the Bible said, Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou watch this, see what I will do to Pharaoh. Thank God when he moves, we can see with our own eyes the, the blessings and the moving of the hand of God. And so he says, Then the Lord said unto Moses, now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? And in the next chapter, God said to Moses, I'm the Lord. I'm the great I am, the great one that sits on the throne of heaven. I am he. And we find that he goes on to proclaim unto Isaac, unto Jacob, by my name of God Almighty. But by my name, watch this, Jehovah, was I not known to them. Who is the Lord? Do you know that God uses actions in the Bible to associate the names of himself in the scriptures? The Bible speaks of us, to us in the text in Genesis 17 and verse number 1. He says, And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared unto Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God, and before me, and walk before me and be thou perfect. And here we have the first use of the name of God Almighty or El Shaddai. God, the all-sufficient one. God, the all-powerful one. The first use of it was in Genesis 17 and verse number 1, and we find it again in Psalm 91 and verse number 1. Bear with me, I know where I'm going. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. 
I think we heard something about that this morning, about dwelling in the secret place and hiding ourselves. And here he says in Psalm 91 and verse number 9, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty, of the all-sufficient one, the all-powerful God, the all-God, the El Shaddai that is able to take care of you and I when we hide under the shadow of the Almighty. But notice in our text, the Bible says in the latter part of that verse of Scripture, he said, I appeared unto Abraham and unto Isaac and unto Jacob by my name, God Almighty, El Shaddai. But I, by my name, Jehovah, was I not known unto them. And God saying to Moses, I'm getting ready to do something to Israel. I'm getting ready to show Pharaoh who I am. I'm going to prove to him that I am the Lord, Jehovah, all caps, just the same as it is God, all cap in the Bible. I am Jehovah. I am the God eternal. I am God, the immutable one. I am he which was and is and is to come the self-sufficient one, the covenant one, the almighty God. Thank God he is Jehovah. That's who he is this morning. The Bible says in Isaiah 43, 10 and 11, Ye are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe uh, me and understand that I am he. And watch what he says. Before there was no God, uh, the scriptures, and he goes on to say, and before him, and neither shall there be any after me. And God saying to Moses, there was no God before me, and there'll be no God after me. Someone may say, well, where did God come from? I believe God would answer and say, I am. But Lord, who made you? I am. But God, how did all this happen? And what did you use to make all the physical matter on the planet Earth? I believe you'd just say, I am. Who is the Lord? And I want to answer that question for just a moment, if you allow me. May I say to you, he's the great I am. In Exodus chapter 5 and verse number 1, God proclaims that the children of Israel is his. He said, let my people go. In Exodus chapter number 3 and verse number 14, and God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, thus saith uh, thou, or thou shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am has sent you. Thank God he is the great I am, the great Jehovah, the all self-existing one. He leans on no busted throne. He leans on no one else's power. He is self-existent. He came from nowhere. God came from Teman and the Holy One from Mount Peransala. And somebody said, where is that? You can go back in eternity past and eternity future as far as you want to go. And God will always be there. Why? Because he is the great I am. He is the great Jehovah. He He's always been, always is, and thank God he always will be. In John 8, 58, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Before Abraham was, I am. What did Jesus mean when he said, I am? Well, I've got news for you. He just simply meant, I am. Jesus, in response to the question, 
In John 8, 57 through 59, it says, And the, uh, said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Then took the up stones to cast at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by and Jesus said unto them, I want you to know before Abraham was, I was. And I want you to know that before Israel was, I was. And God said, I want you to know that I am. I am God in the flesh. I am the deity. God 100% and 100% man. I am he. And the Bible tells us in the passage of Scripture, they knew exactly what he was saying. They took up stones to stone him to death. The word chosen by the Holy Ghost of God make it clear that Abraham was brought into his existence or being, but not the Lord. The Jews understood it. The Bible says in John 5 and number 18, Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because he had, uh, had broken the Sabbath, but, also, uh, but said also that God was his father, making himself equal with God. He was and is and is to come. He is equal with the Godhead. He is part of the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. And when Jesus used the phrase, I am, he was making himself as he is equal with God. In John's gospel, Jesus makes several references to himself using the phrase, I am. In John 6 and verse number 35, he said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh unto me shall never hunger, and he that believeth in me shall never thirst. In John 6, 35, thank God he satisfies with the hunger. He is our bread. Thank God for Christ. He feeds us just as it had Israel for 40 years in the wilderness journey and fed him manna from heaven and water from great depths. He's a great I am. He is God, and he can do what God will do. He said in John 8 and 12, I am the light of the world. He said, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Thank God he is not only bread, but thank God he is light. He came into the world and his, unto his own, his own received him not, but as many as received him unto them, I gave you power to become the sons of God. Thank God that he gives light. Thank God that at uh, church uh, at the age of uh, 16, the Holy Spirit of God began to uh, speak to my heart and enlighten me through the preaching of the word of God. And the light shone in my heart and my soul. I was brought under conviction. I went forward to the altar and thank God he gave me bread and manna from heaven. He shined the searchlight of the Holy Spirit of God in my heart. I put my faith and trust in him and thank God I'm feasting at his banqueting table now. In John 10, 11, he said, I'm the good shepherd and he's our good shepherd. In John chapter 11 and verse 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live again. In John 14 and 16, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Thank God he's not only the way, the truth, and the life. He's the only way. And the Bible tells us in John 15 and 1, 
He said, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Thank God he's our fruit bearer. Who is the Lord? I'd like to answer Pharaoh's question to Moses and his statement. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end and all in between. He was there when it all started, and he'll be there when it all ends. He's always been, always is, and always will be. He is bread to the hungry, and he is our burden bearer. He is our creator, and thank God he created all that it is, regardless of what the humanists and the evolutionists and all the socialists and communists and anyone else say. Thank God he's God. He's the creator of all things. The Bible says and teaches that he is our deliverer. Thank God he's a day spring of our heart. He can deliver from the deepest depths of despair and sin. He is our everlasting father, and he is eternal. He's always been and always will be. He is faithful. You can always depend upon him. He is a mighty fortress. He is a mighty friend. He sticks closer than a brother. He is God and he is self-existent. He is good and his mercy endureth forever. He is holy. He stands alone. He is immutable. He does not change. He is the great I am. He is God, Jehovah. He is Jehovah Nisa, the God who is our banner. He is Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. He is Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. He is Jehovah Shalom, the God who is our peace. He is our keeper. He's the King of kings, thank God. He is the light. He's the Lord of all lords. I'm talking about the great I am, the great Jehovah, almighty God tonight, today. He is merciful and he is mighty. He is my nourisher. He is omniscient. He knows all. He is omnipresent. He is at all places at all time. He is omnipotent and he's all powerful in his authority. And there's no one that is equal. He is the prince of peace and he's the pearl of great price. And he's the promise keeper. He quenches the thirsty soul. He is the resurrection that robs the grave of its victory. How death wears I sting. He's a rock of all ages and the redeemer of all mankind. He is sovereign. He is a savior. He is the word. He is a great shepherd to the sheep. He is trustworthy and he is truth and his truth sets us free. He is unchangeable in his uh, purpose. He is unequal in his beauty and his power. He is the true vine, the victor that overcomes the world. I'm talking about my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God for his blessings and thank God for his divine presence. He's wonderful. He's the word. He's the water of life. He's the x-ray of the soul. He sees everything we do. He hears everything we say. And he knows the intents and the secrets of our hearts. He's Yahweh, the self-existing and self-sustaining God. He is zealous of his honor and of all of his glory. 
The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 1 and verse number 27, the Lord hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and he hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and the things that are despised hath he chosen, yea, and the things which are not to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Thank God he still calls country preachers, educated preachers, poor preachers. He still says to the uttermost, to the guttermost, it's the God we serve. And I want you to know today, who is the Lord? He is Jehovah God. He's the great I am that salvation and save my soul. That's who the Lord is. That's why we should obey him. He can speak and men die. He can speak another word and those same men live again. He is our bridge over troubled waters. He is the bride and the morning star. When he falls, he's able to pick us up. When we repent, he forgives us. When we're weak, he revives us. When we can't see, it provides light. When we're hungry, it feeds us. When we're fearful, he encourages us. When we stumble, he studies us. When we're broken, he mends us. When we face trials, he is present with us. What more do you want? Who is the Lord that I should obey him? The Lord is our protector. The Lord is our light in darkness. The Lord is our joy in times of sorrow. The Lord is our hope for tomorrow. The Lord is our all in all. Thank God he's Jehovah. He's the great I am. And he said to Moses, when you get down there, just tell him I am sent you. That'll be sufficient. Exodus chapter number three. God appeared to Moses through the burning bush and told him that he was sending him to free the children of Israel from the land of Egypt and bondage and slavery. And Moses asked again who he should send. Now I want you to consider this question. Moses, being raised in the land of Egypt as the adopted son of Pharaoh's daughter, he was familiar with the names and the gods of the Egyptians. Having fled to Midian, Moses would have also known the names of the Canaanite gods, such as Baal and Asherah. Each of these gods were foreign to God's people. They had a particular name that was associated with their particular domain, if I may put it that way. But when God sends Moses down to the land of Egypt to deliver the people of God out of the land of bondage, he simply says that when you go into Pharaoh, he said, just tell him, I am has sent thee. And God says, by the way, you let Israel know, my people, that I created all things, and I'm the great El Shaddai, and he goes through several names you'd find in Genesis. But he said, Moses, you remind the people of God that when I show up, I'm going to reveal myself in a way they've never seen before. I'm going to show them that I am Jehovah God. God's name is holy. When a Jewish scribe would scribe the name of God or Jehovah or one of the names of God in the Bible, he'd take a fresh quill. 
He'd dip it in the inkwell and write the name. And when the name was completed through the process that he'd go through, he would take the quill and break it and discard it and throw it away so that no one else could come along and take the quill that wrote the name of God and disgrace it or soil it or taint it. Why? Because God said, I am the Lord, I'm Jehovah, I'm the great I am, and I am holy. He is eternal, existing before Abraham, as we said. In Colossians 1 and verse number 17, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He is self-existent, needing nothing. The Bible says in Psalm 136 and verse number 6, whatsoever, watch this, whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did he in heaven and in earth and the seas and all the places. Did you get that? Whatever God please, the sovereignty of God, shall the clay say to the potter, why hast thou made me thus, the Bible says? God is God and God is self-existent and God is all-knowing and God will do what God will do. He is unchanging. The Bible said Hebrews 13 and 8, yesterday, Jesus Christ the same, yesterday, today, and forever. And aren't you glad that in 2023, in the month of March, uh, the year of our Lord to 2023, that when we stand up here today, we can confidently proclaim that the same God that said to Moses, go down and tell him I am sent you, that we can stand and say well, about the same thing that Moses said, I am has sent me. Jehovah, the Lord God, sits on the throne. Then if I could just say very quickly two things and I'll be done. He is not only the great I am, he's the great destroyer and defender of his people. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter number 12 and verse number 31 and 32, and he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get thee forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord. And notice it's kept uh, there again, the Lord, Jehovah, God as you have said, and take your flocks and your herds and your, as you have said, and be gone, and watch this, bless me also. Notice with me in Exodus in chapter number 12, if you'll turn there very briefly uh, with me this morning for just a moment. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter number 12 as we consider this particular uh, passage of Scripture, and notice if you would please, in fact, let's go over to chapter number 14 and notice if you would verse 10 through 25. I'm not going to read it all for the sake of time, but Moses, God has told him to go down to the land of Egypt and deliver the people of Israel out of bondage. And all the plagues have come upon Egypt. And now they're getting ready to leave. But how are they going to be taken care of when they exit out of the land of Egypt and the land of bondage. Now I know God provided for them for 40 years. He fed them with quail and manna and water from great depths. But you know when the Israelites left the land of Egypt, that God had given them so much favor with them through the plagues, that the Bible said they borrowed from the Egyptians and they leaned themselves and they went out and the Bible says they spoiled the Egyptians. 
And the very people that had held them in bondage and could held them in bondage and captivity for all of those years, for over four centuries. And now God says, Israel, you just take what you want. And then he brings the ten plagues upon the land of Egypt. He turns the water into blood. He brings the frogs out of the Nile into the land of Egypt. He brings lice. He brings flies. He brings death and of the livestock. He brings boils and hell and locusts and darkness and finally the death of the firstborn. Do you know God always defends his people? Why? Because he is Jehovah God and God can do what God will do. I remember a pastor friend of ours some years ago he stood and preached and made some changes in the ministry because of the direction the church was going before he got there. And they criticized and ostracized the man of God. They literally caused him to have substantial health issues in his ministry because of his fret and concern. Then they finally succeeded in running the man of God off. But you know God's still on the throne. God sees all of that. God knows all of that. God hears all the secret chatter behind closed doors. And not long after he had left and they'd ran the man of God off, all of a sudden, several tornadoes broke out in that particular region. And I'm not implying that everyone gets hit by a tornado is the judgment of God, so don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But I do believe God can use things for his judgment. And shortly after the preacher left, tornado swept through that area, and literally I drove by, I talked to the man of God, and he said, preacher, go see it for yourself. I did. I went over there, Pastor Jones, Brother Jones, and tornadoes had leveled several places, and there was one of the deacons that stood by the preacher. His house was right here. Total devastation leading up to it, and all of a sudden you could tell the tornado lifted up, moved over the top of the house, and set back down and started a path of destruction. But wait a minute. That's not all the story. Right beside the house of the deacon who stood with the preacher with the tornado picked up, moved over, sat down, right beside him was the deacon's house that ran the preacher off. Can I tell you which house had the most devastation? There was nothing but a clean swept slab. There was no a debris even on the slab. It was swept clean. Why? Because God's Jehovah. He's the great I am. And God can do what God will do. And then secondly, or thirdly, and I'm done. He's the great deliverer. He can destroy and defend his people, but he's the great deliverer. I'm not going to take time to go through all the scriptures. I'm just going to close off here. But God can deliver. I said, God can deliver. One of the hardest things I had to learn as a young preacher was just to be patient and wait on the Lord. I've gotten ahead of him so many times, I can't tell you. One thing that I've learned 
is wait on the Lord. He parted the Red Sea and delivered Israel, but with that same parting of the sea, he destroyed the enemies of God's people. I remember when I was a chaplain at the Wyoming State Penitentiary. I walked in one morning. We had two services that we normally would conduct. When I walked in, the men were lined up for a pill call or the infirmary. And I spoke to them. I'd been there for a number of years. And as I spoke to them, I went in to get my Bible that I'd left in the maximum security unit to get ready to head over at 7 o'clock in the morning when I would have my first service in the receiving and diagnostic center. As I walked in, the men greeted me. The nurses greeted me. And I got my Bible and I began to walk to the front gate of the prison. And all of a sudden it came over the intercom that there had been a hostage takeover in the maximum security unit. Nobody could leave. No one could come in. And I remember those days because it hit the news. In fact, it was on the national news. And Mrs. Ellis didn't know if I was in it. They announced they actually held the hostages in my office because it was back in the corner out of the way. Warden Schillinger called the FBI in from Cheyenne, Wyoming. They were there, the hostage negotiators. They had snipers scattered around the prison. And they came to me and said to me, said, Mr. Ellis, you've got to report with all these prisoners. And we'd like for you to go to the door and bring them to the door and lure them to the door so our snipers can take them out. I said, I can't do that. It'll ruin my ministry. I won't be able to step foot in another prison as long as I live. It'll spread like wildfire. And Warden Schillinger stepped up and said, absolutely not. He can't do that. And they held them in my office. And two prisoners held two ladies that were there that morning from the infirmary, held them in my office. In fact, Guidepost wrote a story about it and asked me, and I said, I'll be glad to tell you, but you better do it word for word. You cannot change it. If you change it, you cannot run that article. And I gave them word by word what happened. And of course, I plugged the plan of salvation in. That's what I was after to begin with. And guideposts published the plan of salvation. And they had them inside of my office. And there were several harrowing minutes during that time that they held them hostage. But I remembered those two counselors, they were ladies, they came to us after it was all said and done. Thank God, lest I get wrapped up in telling you the end of the story that I'm trying to get to. They did get out unharmed, but they held nice to their throat and said to them, we're going to give you one minute to think about death and your family, and we're going to slit your throats. And one of the counselors looked over on my desk in the corner. There was a little white gospel track. You see how those little red promises, scriptures, the little red Bibles they called them? Well, in the corner of my desk, someone, some church had given me a bunch of the little white Bibles. It was the promises of God. And on the front cover, it had this verse. With God, nothing is impossible. She said, God, I'm going to claim that verse. And within just a few moments, the hostage takers came out, turned the hostages loose, 
laid on the floor and gave themselves up. He said, now, preacher, why did you share that story to close this out? I'll tell you why. In the most critical of circumstances, God is God. And he can work in spite of the circumstances. Just wait, Israel. I'm on my way. Moses, you go down and tell him Jehovah is on his way. The great I am. I'll be there momentarily. And when I lead Israel out, I'll show Pharaoh who I am and I'll show my people by my name, Jehovah. I don't know what you may be up against this morning. I believe I've come and laid on an altar at the feet of Jehovah, the great man. Fathers, we bow before you now. I pray you'll take these few short thoughts and help your people. Lord, we thank you that you deliver out of the harshest of circumstances. God, you work on our behalf. I'm glad, Lord, that you're God. Thank you for reminding us of it in the scriptures. Help us now this morning, I pray. Look at the tables and, and uh, check some of the things out.